0: The Blaze Radio Network, on demand.
1: Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair.
2: Vajas.
3: I, I don't have to show you on a stinking wishes.
1: This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network.
4: And greetings. Hi there, ho there. Welcome, everybody. It is Thursday, almost to the weekend on the Chris Salcedo Show, and I'm happy you've tuned in. Telephone number is 888 933 888 900 3393 Breaking news as there seems to be coalescing in the Senate around an idea to replace Obamacare. I'm sure it will factor predominantly in the flip around. Uh, When we get to it, we, you know, we've been consumed the last couple of days with other stuff. So we haven't started off the show with a flip around and today it's back to its, its regular spot. So after I let you know how to get in touch with the program, we'll get right to it. I already gave you the phone number. So how about social media? You want to go to Twitter? It's at Chris Salcedo TX at C-H-R-I-S-S-A-L-C-E-D-O-T-X on Facebook, the Chris Salcedo Show, Listen to the show live at theblaze.com slash radio. That's a good avenue. How about the Blaze Radio smartphone app or the iHeart Radio app? SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher have been set up for you so that you can listen to the programming of this show and others here on the Blaze Radio Network on your schedule, at your convenience. We take great pains to making sure that site is updated every day, not only with short clips of the show, but also full-length versions of The Salcedo Show and others. Go to TheBlaze.com. Click on the Channels section. And, you know, tell some friends about this, too. Because we put up at least two or three, I wouldn't call it best-of segments, I just call it interesting segments every day. Again, blaze.com And on the Channels section, that will uh, give you a flavor of what we did on the show. And yesterday, I thought we did pretty well. Uh, Melissa Francis, that interview was just stellar, as we've had two with her and have just been outstanding. So uh, that got a lot of feedback, as did um, uh, the the revelation that Russia is colluding with elements in America. But it's not Trump. It's left-wing environmentalist groups. We're working on getting a lawmaker in to talk about that revelation here on the Salcedo Social Show. So stay tuned in the coming weeks. Let's get out of the flip around. We'll start off with MSNBS. We worked with quite closely because, once again, the military,
1: French and American, together, were always leading the way, the intelligence community leading the way. Um, and I, I think it's just misinformation in our current information.
3: Yes, and in our current of administration. Let's talk about the impression
0: that people have of President Trump around the world. When you look at France, uh, the, the confidence in President Trump uh, in France is fourteen um, percent. If you look at other places, uh, by the way, for Barack Obama from two thousand eight to two thousand sixteen, it averaged eighty five percent. George W. Bush uh, between two thousand two and two thousand eight, aver-
4: that's perfect. Perfect example. MSNBS is detailing uh, there with polling. Donald Trump uh, not liked over in France, 14%. George W. Bush was at 17.4%. Barack Obama was in the 80s. And uh, this is easily explained by other nations liking a weak America. Uh, A weak America has always been uh, uh, pursued uh, by, and particularly by left-wing nations, socialist nations, who believe that because America is so prosperous, it must be because we're taking it from them. And if we were good socialists like they are, we'd be working hard to support them. You see, it's a, it's a socialist mentality. So a strong America has always been, well, uh, looked down upon by many other foreign nations. France is no is no different. Uh, I take heart that European socialist nations uh, don't like strong America. They did so under, uh, uh, they didn't like us under President Bush because he was pro-American. They don't like, uh, well, they definitely don't like Donald Trump because he says America first. And the French like France first and want America to, to screw ourselves to benefit them as does Spain, as does Greece, as does a lot of these European socialist countries. That's, that's the idea of socialism. Vote to screw yourself to benefit me. That's socialism. Bet, uh, you, Your family does without so that uh, our elected leaders can live high on the hog and we can redistribute your honest effort to keep other people happy who don't make any effort. Socialism, one-on-one. So it's no wonder that that Donald Trump is not beloved. He has an America first attitude. Now, when you ask French people, do you think it should be France first? They'll say, of course, oui, oui. Let's go over to CNN.
0: Congressman used a lot of words to try to say there were layers and authority and thorough vetting was needed. But the fundamental email that came to Don Jr. said that hey, someone high up in the Russian Justice Department had information on. Dirt on the Clintons because the Russian government was supporting his father's campaign. Everything about that is outside the realm of normal. So let's not pretend that this is some variation on opposition research being offered by a local Paul.
4: What Jen uh, John Avalon is not uh, uh, conceding is that not only was it outside of the pale, but it just happened to be not true. <laughs> of course, they are consumed with Donald Trump Jr. over at CNN. Uh, beating up on the president because that's what CNN does nearly exclusively. Nearly exclusively. It's the beat up on Donald Trump channel. CNN, the, the leader of the basket of bias. So, uh, yes, and again, everything that was stated in those emails was a complete and utter fabrication. What they're saying is because Donald Trump Jr. believed it was coming from the Russian government and believed that Russia wanted Donald Trump to win. Oh, that's proof that, that Russia wanted Trump to win. Well, wait a minute. That's not... Definitive proof whatsoever. Uh, what, what CNN is glossing over, and of course, the anchor, the, the talking head anchor on this particular show, didn't stop and say, well, well wait a minute, just because some publicist over in the UK says that, that Russia is backing Donald Trump doesn't make it so. But of course, they're not into honesty over at CNN. Uh, Fox News Channel, are they going to break? Did I get to them? too late. I think I did. Well, let's go over to Fox Business see what they're talking about stocks.
3: It's getting a boost because of some positive comments from Target. Target saying they're seeing more store traffic and ultimately giving a, some optimistic outlook. And with that, Walmart jumps one and a half percent. Apple and Goldman Sachs also moving higher.
4: Uh, Dow Jones is in record territory once again, ladies and gentlemen. You heard that rather surprising announcement that Target is saying they're seeing more foot traffic. Now, why do you think that is? Now, why was their foot traffic down? Right, because of these highly publicized cases of women being inside of Target's uh, dressing rooms and men identifying as women getting access and the women complaining and Target saying, That's your, it's your problem, not ours, to the women. And women do the bulk of the buying in the family. And women weren't going to Target because they didn't feel safe. All of a sudden, Target is not out there uh, because, you know, well, Obama's out of office. It's not fashionable to be idiots anymore. So Target's not out there saying, oh, we want to welcome men who identify as women. And you women are just going to have to deal with it. They're not advertising that anymore. And as the general public forgets about that, they're starting to wander back into Target stores. Um... Good, good for Target. I hope they abandon this silly policy of allowing a man dressed in blue jeans and a white t-shirt with a five o'clock shadow to say, hey, I feel like a woman today. I'm going to go in there and hang out inside of the, uh, the women's dressing room. And Target's saying, okay, fine, no problem. And then when the women complain about it, they say, hey, lady, it's your problem. He's a woman today. <laughs> uh, Triple eight. 900-3393-888-900-3393. Back in a minute, the Salcedo Show. will get into the news of the day right here on The Blaze.
1: Telling the truth. It's one of those jobs American liberals won't do. That's why we need the liberty-loving Latino, Chris Salcedo.
0: The Blaze Radio Network.
4: All right, welcome back everybody you know it, it isn't very often that we get uh the executive producer of the program ellie contributing content and uh, I, when, when she asked me she asked me she said, did you hear what about shia labeouf at labeouf 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 what laboff whatever his name is and i said yes i did you know what she said to me
3: i I'm a nasty woman. No, she didn't say okay, that. That <laughs> did
4: not happen. <laughs> so, no, uh, Shia LaBeouf has, uh, well, I think he's lost his mind, right? The, the guy's full tilt bozo nutcase, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, the latest incident surrounds his interaction with a police officer well, as a black police officer, wasn't it?
5: Yes.
4: All right. Uh, you have the sound clip in question, yes? I do. Fire it off. Well, no, I can't hear it. Can you, can you, do you have it, like, in program right now? I do, sir? There we bro, go.
0: Why are you hearing my Because so oh I, I, right. I, I have rights.
4: I have rights. I'm an American.
1: Come oh on, talk to me. Come you come got out. me in my hotel. Arresting me in 20 my 20 hotel 20 for doing what, it, sir? Let's go.
4: Yo, you really got these
1: cuffs on me, have you, bro? I'll fix it. Yeah. Let me out. Listen, can we talk, me and you? No, we can't talk nothing. Listen, I, I'm, not, I'm not the one arresting you. I'm an American. I'll pay my taxes. Get the off my arms
6: so so we're not going to have a conversation no okay. you will going to
1: put these off my arms or you be fighting for it. you got a president don't give a about you and you're ah. a police force that don't give a about you so you want to arrest black, white do. people who give a who ask for cigarettes i came up to you trying to be nice you stupid So, he's saying all of this to the police officer, the first officer, and he goes on from there. I want to bring in Alexis Tereshchuk. She is a CNN Oh,
4: CNN was talking about it. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, you can bring it down. So, that's Shia LaBeouf. He he was getting, well, I think he actually got arrested. He was trying to bum a cigarette. Somebody said no, and he kind of went crazy. He said to the black police officer who was arresting him that he wouldn't go to heaven. (laughs) Because he was black. (laughs) your president your president doesn't give a blank about you man your president doesn't give blanket and then, and then he turns around and says you're not going to heaven man because you're black i uh <laughs> i i don't know what what does this he to must, a guy who by all accounts he must had, have been strung out he all oh, you mean he was on he oh, was on probably drugs. yeah well, well i mean i think i, I think that is uh in uh, in all likelihood, true. I, we don't know for sure. He could be j- just be a jackass, you know, all on his own without the influence of drugs. But I mean, you got to ask yourself: Shia LaBeouf was uh, you know it might have been the Transformers movies that did him in, because they suck. They really do suck, uh, lacking in uh, and with all apologies to Michael Bay. Visually, I guess you could say they're stunning. They're just lacking in storytelling. And can you imagine starring opposite Megan Fox and then uh, realizing she's not really yours? (laughs) That's enough to drive any man crazy. I mean, just off the deep end. And this guy, since Donald Trump's election, this guy has been unhinged. I mean, just filled with rage and hate. And you heard it, he's getting arrested and all he can think of is Donald Trump. I mean, in this man's mind. And then and then he tries to blame Donald Trump for his behaving as a moron. I mean, what, what's he gonna blame Donald Trump for his racism too? Ellie as a as a millennial, as millennial representative on this program, when you see a millennial icon, and I think it's it's fair to call Mr. LaBeouf, LaBeouf, Le, Lobotomy, whatever his last name is, uh, call him a a millennial icon. He came up in your era, much like the actors. Let's see who was my actors and actresses were Molly Ringwald, Charlie Sheen, um, John Cusack. Those were the up and coming young actors when I was growing up. Th- those are the those were the cutting edge folks. So your your generation is. I don't want to say represented by Shia LaBeouf, but he's one—he's one of those guys who has been in movies as you were coming of age. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Now, what do you think? Now, when you see one of one of these individuals falling this hard, what do you, what what is your um, reaction?
1: Um, that i do don't—I—I I hate when when people say that celebrities kind of set the way for millennials or like kind of set like celebrities are seen as what the rest of
4: us are like even though that's not true well they do reflect a a culture i mean back in you're too young to remember this or maybe you saw this with your folks uh the movie the breakfast club
2: oh yeah i've seen that
4: or 16 candles or any that too uh, yeah i mean the music the genre the feel i was you know what i was just watching last night i was watching uh beverly hills cop 2
1: Ooh, that's a good
4: one. Oh, no, it was a good one. And Beverly Hills Cop 1 was better. But I was watching it, and I was thinking to myself, man, what was the last good-feeling movie I actually saw? Because even though it was a bunch of things blowing up and people dying and shooting and like that, the camaraderie between Eddie Murphy and his co-stars, you could feel it, and it was a good time, and they're having a good time. And you, and you as an, uh, watching in the audience was a good time. Today, what's in cinema, by and large, save the... The superhero movies, and even they are getting darker. Your generation is cranking out some pretty dark stuff. I mean, I've got to say it, and, and maybe maybe it's just me saying, well, back in my day, we had a whole bunch of cool movies, and they were happy. And but you know, you're just so dark here. And but I don't. I think this is a this is a difference in genre. That this isn't a golden age of Hollywood that we're in right now. A lot of these are repeats. A lot of these are uh remakes and then you've got stars like Shia LaBeouf look he's he's from your generation not mine so I and I guess and I'm not trying to do this to condemn your generation it's like Molly Ringwald didn't speak for every Gen Xer right and Charlie Sheen certainly didn't and Cusack he's about as left-wing as they come so I all, all I'm saying is, is that as you're coming up, your contemporaries who happen to be in Hollywood and getting the bulk of the attention and and for better or for worse, are trendsetters. I mean, do, do you think in any way that what's coming out of Hollywood and the actors who are behind Hollywood are reflective of the times are the times do the times reflect them? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I really do. And, and, and again, we had, we had our kooks and we had our, our very talented people. Now, when I was watching movies when I was a kid, the grown-ups, quote unquote, were the guys like, I think I mentioned this, this movie yesterday, Gregory Hines and, um, and Billy Crystal. They were older folks, even Whoopi Goldberg. Older folks who were in their prime. Schwarzenegger, another example. Uh, Sly, Sylvester Stallone. Those were all uh, guys who were acting as I was coming up, right? Generation X's, they were the elder statesmen of Hollywood, if you will. Today, who are the elder statesmen in Hollywood? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm trying to think of, maybe it's uh, Robert Downey Jr., who I think is pretty good, who's a He's had some substance abuse problems, but he's a gifted, gifted actor. Uh who else? Who am I missing? Who who was who's an icon today that is kind of, you know, Generation X acting in your movies, Ellie? Who do you who do you who do you look of look at as my age? You know, mid forties.
1: Um, like Cameron
4: Diaz, like that. Well, or that's you, true. Would you consider her? She, yeah, Cameron yeah. Diaz, Lucy Liu, Lucy Liu, yeah, uh, Drew Barrymore. Yeah, well, yeah, Drew. Bar- and Drew Barrymore, she had her issues too when she was a kid. Yeah, uh, she, she's been a, she's been a Hollywood brat, but as she's gotten older, she actually gets cooler. And and there are very few people that could pull that off. And I think Oh, Sa- Sandler, uh, Adam Sandler. There's oh another. yeah, Adam Sandler. Uh, yeah, I mean these 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 guys, they haven't lost it. As they get older, they get cooler. I'm just saying. Uh, Hey, who do we have next? Yeah, it's uh, Michael McCall. We're not talking with him about the movies, I promise. Be right back.
1: You're listening to The Chris Salcedo Show.
0: Part of Generation Blaze. On the Blaze Radio Network. Chris
4: Salcedo Show. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Chris Salcedo Show. I am your liberty-loving Latino. Do not confuse me with loudmouth leftist Latinos out there. I actually love the United States of America. Joining me now, Congressman Michael McCall from the 10th District here in the great state of Texas. Congressman McCall, chairman of the House Committee on Homeland Security, also the author of this book, Failures of Imagination, the Deadliest Threats to Our Homeland and How to Thwart Them. Congressman, welcome back.
2: Hey, thanks, Chris, for having me.
4: Russia is funding, sending money over here to the United States. Uh, your colleagues, Lamar Smith and Randy Weber, uh, from uh, also from the same area down in South Texas you are representing, uh, uh, have discovered a money trail from Vladimir Putin funding green groups. Their, their effort is to shut down American energy production, which directly impacts us here in the state of Texas. The idea is to drive up prices of energy so that vladimir putin can finance his thuggish government uh what do you say about this revelation of actual ties of russia funding left-wing groups in america
2: well it's it's uh, right up their alley this is what they do that they try to destabilize countries uh whether it be europe or the united states and now we have a concerted effort coming out of the kremlin uh to you know fund leftist groups of all things to then impact the price uh or production of energy in the United States, which then in turn benefits them. And remember, Putin's main source of um, income for his country is his energy output and his uh, oil and gas. So if he can disrupt our production, which is what they're apparently trying to do, uh, that plays to their benefit. And this, they're masters at disinformation, uh, campaign warfare, whether it's elections or whether it's doing stuff like this to to uh, jack up the price of energy coming out of Russia and, and, uh, and destabilize our efforts to produce energy in the United States.
4: And he uses energy on the former Soviet republics to keep them in line. He uses it as a threat. And Donald Trump has said he wants to undermine that threat by exporting American energy over to these former Soviet satellite states so that they will no longer be held hostage by Vladimir Putin. Uh, and, yeah, and and remember, that is we good. We passed
2: the crude oil export uh, ban, yes. lifting this long time ban on crude oil. Primarily, well, it's good for Texas, first of all, but it also has a very good foreign policy bent to it because the uh, European Union actually asked us to lift that ban because they don't want to be dependent on Russian oil, and so this gives us the ability to produce and sell energy to europe and help get them off this dependence of, of russian oil
4: yeah and liquefied natural gas too you you and i have talked LNG. before yeah. yeah about this this massive discovery possibly the second largest proven oil and natural gas reserve right there in west texas i mean we could we could be the primary supplier to all of eastern europe to get them out from under the the jackbooted thuggery of of vladimir putin let's let's switch gears if we can sanctuary cities very much in the headlines not only here in the state of texas where uh, Dallas, Houston, Austin, San Antonio have joined joined lawsuits because they, they want the ability to stand up for illegal alien felons to continue to let them out on the streets to harm Americans. Uh, the Trump administration and the governor of this state, the the state of Texas, saying, hey, I don't think that's right that we ought to allow these these states to thumb their nose uh, and these cities to thumb their nose at the rule of law. California is going one step further. California is declaring the whole dang state a sanctuary state for illegal alien felons my question to you is what can the federal government do and what would you support Congressman, to punish the state of california for violating the rule of law
2: well we just passed last week our uh, sanctuary city bill uh, at the federal level and under our constitution a federal law will preempt a state law uh, such as this so you know i urge this the senate's got to get this passed Uh, signed into law by the president it's a big priority uh, that he ran on of course Uh, and then it will essentially uh, null and void that uh, statute in California it's amazing California you compare it to Texas and you know they uh, they just passed a cap and trade bill in California uh, just the other day (laughs) as well I applaud our state leadership in Texas for what they've done on this very important issue and I think the well, I think what you're going to see is a practical effect is you're going to see more criminal aliens going to California, uh, and leaving the state of Texas. So, uh, and all we say is cooperate with federal law enforcement, and if there is a, what's called an ICE detainer on an individual, individual, to honor that detainer and turn that person over to uh, federal authorities, and that's that's really all we're asking for. Well, and, now uh, here, you know, most people do that and should do it anyway.
4: Yeah, well, here in the state of Texas, we have we've passed a law that will criminalize elected leaders openly and wantonly violating the rule of law. We will throw uh, liberal extremists in jail if they decide to to th- show their support and their and their love for illegal alien felons by trying to let them back on the streets to plague American citizens. Should a similar uh, fate befall elected leaders out in the state of california if they violate the federal law if it gets passed if it gets passed
2: well again i, I think this uh, the federal provision has civil uh, penalties that a a municipality that does not follow this law hopefully it will be passed in the law uh, can be sued uh by by the victims and i think that's an appropriate uh measure but i think what what you know i talked to dan patrick and others what their thinking is with the state of Texas is that if you're going you're gonna to give uh, criminal aliens a safe haven, you're actually being complicit with criminal uh, wrongdoing. And, and so, yeah. you know, I, I, I completely understand, you know, where the state was coming. Our provision at the federal level uh, is very, very similar to the state provision, but uh, provides for civil uh, penalties. So yeah. I right. once this is signed into law, the doctrine of preemption under the Constitution will provide you know basically um, again null and void that uh, California law
4: yeah and you know why I ask because there are many Americans and and in particular many Texans who are tired of these people of one political party violating the law and they get to walk scot-free and and they get to sit there oh I'm a Democrat I get to violate the law and they get to go out and do whatever the heck they want uh, with impunity, and people are tired of that, and I, I would rationalize that's why Donald Trump got elected. Congressman Michael McCall is our guest right now, 10th District, here in the great state of Texas. Sir, you are involved with something called Race for Children, the Race for Children Act. What is that?
2: Well, this will be the third uh, childhood cancer bill that we ha- have moved forward in, in the Congress. Um, you know, I, I, I chaired the Childhood Cancer Caucus to help these, uh, you know, it's the number one killer of our children in this country. And uh, this particular bill will require the FDA to, when they look at adult cancer drugs, look at the application of those drugs to children. It seems like a pretty basic premise. However, they, they were refusing to do this. And there are many cases of adult the drugs that could be applied to children to save their lives. And I've seen so many cases of, of parents wanting their children to get on these uh, particular therapies, drug therapies, but we're not allowed to do so uh, because of this arcane law under the FDA. With the passage of this bill, very bipartisan, by the way, um, overwhelming support, um, and it's on a must-pass piece of legislation, the FDA authorization, I think this bill uh, will will save the lives of many children out there.
4: All right, last thing I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, I, I didn't want to dominate the interview with this because I, I wanted to talk about the more substantive issues. But uh, some of your colleagues up there on the Hill, uh, this is Senator Kaine, the former Democrat vice presidential candidate, in regards to Donald Trump Jr.'s uh, uh, meeting that fell, 20-minute meeting with that Russian lawyer. Here's what he said.
7: This is moving into perjury, false statements, uh,
4: and even potentially treason. Treason, Congressman, in your view, does does this rise to level of treason for Donald Trump Jr.?
2: I, I think, look we have a special counsel, Bob Mueller, assigned to investigate this. We also have a House and Senate investigation. I don't want to jump to any conclusions till we have all the facts, you know, in front of us. Um, we are going to pass a Russian sanctions bill, I think, in the next couple of weeks, you know, up here. But let, let's let these investigations play out before we jump to conclusions and start you know, calling out pe- people for treason. Uh, you know, I am. You know, I don't know. I I, I kind of get the sense listening to a Sean Hannity interview that he was just a little bit, you know, careless. And and uh, you know, this person, this lawyer, apparently did have some sort of Russian, you know, intelligence background that concerns me quite honestly, Chris. That kind of person's uh, in Trump Tower. But let's let's not uh, start jumping to th- these wild conclusions about uh, whether it was they. You know, violated, uh, you know, criminal statutes or it was treason. This is all going to play out in in these investigations. And, you know, we're going to get to the bottom of it. I think the American people deserve to know. But let's not engage in a bunch of hyperbole as well before we have all the facts.
4: Failures of Imagination, the Deadliest Threats to Our Homeland and How to Thwart Them. That's the name of the book. The author, Congressman Michael McCall, the 10th District here in the great state of Texas. Good friend of the program, sir. Appreciate you being here as always on the Chris Salcedo Show.
2: Hey, likewise, Chris. Thanks for having me.
4: All right. hundred thirty-three ninety-three. Ask the phone number here to the Chris Salcedo Show. When we get back, we'll, we'll detail what's going on with the latest revelations there is something that's moving, ladies and gentlemen. There is something that is moving. As far as cheap, where did this Russian lawyer come from? Why was she allowed to be in the United States? It's coming out the Chris Salcedo show here on the Blaze. It's
1: not just a show; <laughs> it's a movement. Join the
0: swarm. Twitter hashtag Salcedo Swarm.
1: Only on the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze radio Network.:
4: I would like to direct you to the Chris Salcedo show Facebook page. Uh, the Democrats claim they are the ones who are to fix uh, well their first problem, which was the HMO system gifted to, him, to us by them. And then uh, Obamacare said, "Well, the first Democrat idea failed, so let me replace it with another Democrat idea, Obamacare, And that's an utter failure. So now let us go to single-payer," said the Democrats. And there is a picture of Senator Cantwell, a Democrat. Uh, talking about the war on Medicaid. <laughs> That's right. This sitting senator who wants, who thinks she knows the best way to uh, fix the healthcare system, the Democrats broke, is having a problem with spell check. The war on Medicaid. Uh, this was a a placard. You know how they they put it up on an easel there in the in the well of the Senate to show the Republicans and she said the, the report Republicans war on medi what's medi <laughs> yeah we're supposed to we're supposed to trust them to fix our health care that they broke but they can't even consult the dictionary uh telephone numbers 8 888 93 888 900 to New York the state of we talked to Rich hey Rich welcome to Chris Salcedo show Chris you know, you should know
0: this. It's Medicaid because they charge by the letter. You know?
4: <laughs> yes, it does seem. You know what? And, and I, I went round and round and round with a progressive on the Chris Salcedo Show Facebook page about this, Rich. And I said, what, why do you think it's fair for the American people who agreed to Medicaid? And then all of a sudden, some elected leader to come on and say, oh, yeah, remember that 2% that it was costing us in the federal budget? Now we're going to make it cost nearly 10% of the federal budget. Take money out of your pocket because we want to cover more people on it. And, and, yeah. and the American people go, that's not what we voted for.
0: Yeah. I, yeah. Well, I, I think that what the people voted for just doesn't exist. I think um, the idea of uh, affordable, great health care for everybody is a unicorn. Um, and Chris, did you hear uh, Donald Trump in an interview? And and it might have been the one with the um, yesterday with the uh, who who's the um, the, the Christian leader.
4: Broadcasting Network, Mister. Uh, yeah, Pat Robertson, right?
0: Pat Robertson, right? There's it might Roberts have been there. Robertson? Yeah. And with regard to uh, the health care bill, you know, Mister. Trump says. I'm just waiting for something to come across my desk so I can sign it. Now, that's kind of a very cavalier and disturbing statement to me, but, but politically and strategically sound for him. Because it sounds like he knows that Anything is a loser, and it is going to be, because what I said before is absolutely true, Chris. You just cannot provide everybody with wonderful health care at, at affordable prices. You just you can't get water from a stone, and you can't do that. And oh, no, so no, 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 said,
4: no, 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 no. A slight correction. I think you're, almo- you're almost on track. But the, the one correction I would make, you can provide affordable health care to, to match people's needs. It's called the free market. Government can't do it. Of course, you're right. There's no prayer in hell that government has of doing this to where it's equitable, cost-effective and uh, gets people what they want. Uh, you're absolutely right. Government cannot well, do this.
0: Well, the free market, if if it is truly a free market, if real competition takes place, like you know, they they have to repeal that law, and I'd like to know who enacted it, that says you can't buy insurance outside your state. I mean, that was a real, you know, moronic... I, I wonder who benefited from that one. You know Gee, what
4: I'm saying? I wonder who. The, the ones who had the deep pockets to be able to buy off the legislators to actually make it happen.
0: Yeah, exactly. But I mean, if you can bring real competition into the market, then you can say to the people, look... This is the best that can happen. You can't legislate anything any better than this because, you know, a, a, a strict competition, pure competition, is what brings down the prices and brings out the best product.
4: And that's not going to be allowed. As a matter of fact, Rich, you took me right where I wanted to go. Coming up, thank you for the call, buddy. Uh, right. we're, going to, we're going to listen to Rand Paul. We'll listen to Senator John Cornyn. And Rich is absolutely right. the 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 Democrats, the Republicans. I get I get them mixed up nowadays. The Republicans have rolled out this idea, and you you get this impression. It's like just pass anything so we can get on to tax reform.
0: The Chris Salcedo Show, part of Generation Blaze, only on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Vicious. I don't
4: have to show you how to stinking vicious.
1: This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network.
4: This is interesting. L- listen to this. Uh, you look at uh, MSNBS. Trump tries to deflect blame from Russian lawyer meeting from his son... To the fact that she was even in the country to begin with. Now, wait a minute. If, if President Obama and his team doesn't allow her in, well, she was in on a special visa. She was the special invited guest nine days later in front of a congressional committee of the ambassador to Russia. Obama's ambassador to Russia. Why shouldn't we be questioning why she was in the country? She was initially denied, but somebody in the Obama administration greased the skids. Fusion GPS that has attachments and connections to the Democrat Party is who this lawyer is affiliated with. It is starting to smell more and more like a setup. And you got MSNBS with that that take trying to cover up the setup or the the, the formulation, people asking questions about the setup. That's why they would have such a biased uh, Chiron graphic, the text at the bottom of the screen. I'll get into that a little later on this hour. Meantime, over to Fox News. uh, They're interviewing, um, I'm not even sure who this is. It's a Freedom
3: Caucus member
4: about the House bill. Let's just uh, dip in really quickly and hear what they have to say.
3: And pass that and then come back uh, to the other issues that we need to deal with.
6: But at the end of the day, uh, what we've got to do is is do health care reform in a way that reduces premiums, because that's what's driving the debate right now.
7: All right. Congressman, thank
0: you very, very much. Uh, We'll see what happens there. By the way, we're getting word that Senator Roberts... Uh, Pat Roberts of Kansas uh, Says as things stand now He would support the improved Senate health care bill I don't know do you know guys If he was among the ten not too Keen on it prior
4: I don't think uh, I don't think he was one of the holdouts uh, But you know who was One of the holdouts who's saying that as long As it's not changed through the amendment process That Senator Cruz has said he will He will support this bill Does that change your complexion as a conservative. Uh, the fact that Ted Cruz says, yeah, I'm on board. Um, let's see. CNBC Senate draft bill preserves. They're saying two Obamacare taxes. And I'm hearing it's a hell of a lot more than two. Um. <sighs> I don't know. I just tend to believe Rand Paul on this. I, he, he speaks to the libertarian side of me. And you guys know how I feel about government-run healthcare to begin with. It's a, it's a cancer. It spells the a loss of liberty and the doom of a country. At least a prosperous country. You know, we, could, we could be second world, borderline third world countries like a lot of them over in Europe using socialized medicine. It could be like Canada, who relies on us to defend them. Um, uh, Mexico, which, <laughs> I mean, we, we could go down this road. It's just, as I was explaining with the last caller from New York, the government is incapable. It is incapable of providing individualized health care to an entire nation at a lower cost. It's impossible. Uh, Let's hear Rand Paul. We brought you some of this yesterday. He says this is not a repeal. That's the reason why he he is still a no. And he'll vote not to allow this to go to the floor. Because it's not a repeal. He calls it an Obamacare rescue bill. The Republican Party is voting to rescue Obamacare. Listen.
3: We're hearing the outline of what it will be. We've seen the previous text. We're being told that it's essentially the same bill, except for that we're now keeping more of the Obamacare taxes. The regulatory aspect, I think is about the same, but we're being told that there's going to be at least 70 billion extra in the insurance bailout super fund.
4: The insurance bailout super fund. Now, why would you include an insurance bailout super fund after the insurance companies made over made money hand over fist under President Obama's plan and got front-loaded front loaded money to the insurance companies for the first six years of the program, or the first, what was it, three or four years of the program, and then the following six would be them paying out. And now they're bailing out after they're having to start to pay out. These traitorous insurance companies that sold
3: you and me up the river. And this is not a Republican idea. The idea that we would lower prices by subsidizing them is uh, completely contradictory to any kind of notion of Republicans' belief in free markets. This
4: is the Mitch McConnell Republican establishment plan, the Northeastern Republican plan to basically use taxpayer money to buy off the insurance company, they become filthy rich. And then you're buying saying, look, lower the premiums. So constituents, our constituents will be happy. Of course, we're still paying for it. You're, you're just not paying it. You're not seeing it go out your wallet. You're getting taxed up the yin yang or more to the point. Your grandchildren are being taxed of the yin-yang because you're putting it on the credit card and adding to our already $20 trillion debt. Now, John Cornyn, who we're trying to get on the program, not sure how successful we're going to be, but we're trying to get him on. Responding to Senator Paul right there. Uh, Actually, one more thing from Paul, listen. I
3: think we can offer something better than Obamacare. What I've been offering is there's 27 million people that were left behind by Obamacare who have no insurance currently. What I've been offering is a plan that would offer insurance to all of them at a cheaper price. Let every individual in this country plumbers, pest control, carpenters, weld them. Let them join together in associations so they can get group insurance at a cheaper price. But you have to believe in freedom. You have to believe that leaving people alone, that the marketplace will bring the prices down.
4: Well, you understand what it means by leaving people alone. It's getting government out of it. He, what he's saying is, quit letting the government interfere in this. The government has no place in it. You have to believe that when the market is allowed to work, the market will work. And it does. It always does. Now, do you get to have your crap paid for by somebody else? No, that's not what it does. That's not what the free market does. What the free market does is it provides a service at a fair market value. Well, not everybody can afford the free market. Well, there are going to have to be other provisions that are made. Liberty HealthShare is a prime example of individuals absent government interference getting together, collectively pooling their resources and their dollars to say to the insurance companies or to say or sorry, to say these medical providers, this is what we're going to pay and we'll defray the cost voluntarily. That is a, a bottom-up approach, not a top-down approach. Because when you do it top-down, you get all of these bureaucrats who, who create terms like uh, essential benefits. Essential according to whom? According, according to you politicians? The new healthcare plan adopted one of Ted Cruz's uh, insistences, which was allowing people to buy policies that fit their needs. Meaning, if I don't need maternity care, I don't have to buy it. I can buy a smaller policy. Now, Reuters and the AP are calling them skimpy policies. Because every left-wing wet dream isn't included in them. They call them skimpy. Because government didn't tell you what to buy. The Associated Press labels them skimpy to the Associated Press, I say, screw you. It's not up to you. As a, you have just as much authority as I do as a citizen. It's not up to you to tell me what I need. The nature of healthcare is that it's supposed to be very individual. Well, if you're going to get government subsidies, well, that can't be individual. You're right. So the conservative says then, no government subsidies I want control I don't want to give away my control to some bureaucrat in government Uh, Senator John Cornyn will respond to Senator Paul coming up next the Chris Salcedo show you're in the blaze
1: broadcasting with Latin flair this is the Chris Salcedo show on the blaze radio network
4: So Rand Paul had his ideas about what he wanted to get done, about having more power to the people. Let me remind you what he was saying.
3: I think we can offer something better than Obamacare. What I've been offering is there's 27 million people that were left behind by Obamacare who have no insurance currently. What I've been offering is a plan that would offer insurance to all of them at a cheaper price. Let every individual in this country, plumbers, pest control, carpenters, weld them, let them join together in associations so they can get group insurance.
4: That's the Liberty Health Share model. And by the way, it's closer to 29 million still left uninsured. And we found that uh, found that out from uh, Bernie Sanders as he was running in the Democrat primary after the the trillions of dollars spent projected by by Obamacare. uh, We still have 29 million people uninsured. It's a it's a joke. It's a colossal waste of money out of our pockets and into the pockets of the crony capitalists.
3: At a cheaper price, but you have to believe in freedom. You have to believe that leaving people alone, that the marketplace will bring the prices down.
4: So, John Cornyn was on Fox and he said, well, well would you respond, sir?
5: To, uh, to Rand Paul. Well, I, if, uh, if Senator Paul can show me uh, 49 other votes for his bill, then I'd be all for it. Um, but unfortunately, the practicality is we have to pass a bill, and that if you vote no on this bill, it essentially is a vote for Obamacare because that's what we're going to be left with.
4: All right, let me. Let me break this down. I'm going to take this bit by bit.
5: Well, I, if uh, if Senator Paul can show me uh, 49 other votes for his bill, then I'd be all for it.
4: Now that's that's Senator Cornyn being from Texas, saying, "Look, his bill sounds like free market. His bill sounds like getting government out of it. And if and if I could get 49 of my Republican colleagues to agree with that, I'd be all for it." Um. So what? Senator Corn is admitting there is you've got some blue state or purple state liberal Republicans who like taxing the crap out of you to redistribute to other people to buy votes just the way their Democrat colleagues do. And that they believe that the solution to every flipping problem is a government solution. Did it ever once occur to these so-called smart people that sometimes government is the problem and oftentimes government is the problem that maybe divesting government control might be the best way to get out of this and solve the problems that government has created. I've never been of a mind that government is the best, shall we say, antidote to the disease of government. Government is not the antidote to government less government is the antidote to the disease of excessive government so John Cornyn is saying yeah I'd love to do it the free market way but try getting some of these
5: lefty Republicans to go along we don't have the votes um, but unfortunately the practicality is we have to pass a bill
4: I am uncomfortable with that language it was what a caller from New York in the last hour said. Donald Trump saying, hey, just get me something, I'll sign it. I want to get, the, I want to, get to tax reform. And it's, this seems to be the attitude. Just pass something. Whether it's the right thing is immaterial at this point. Just pass something. And, and there are problems with this. Because basically, if Rand Paul is right, and I believe he is, that this is just uh, the Republicans taking the Democrat label off of Obamacare and saying this is a Republican, Obamacare is now a Republican plan. That's what I think they're doing, in effect. Just to say we repealed Obamacare, when they're really not. But to say it, we fulfilled our promise, even though it's not true. They're banking on the vast majority of their constituency believing it. So this idea, oh, we've got to pass a bill. Americans are, are hurting. We've got to pass something. No, you've got to pass the right thing. It's too damned important for you just to pass something.
5: And that if you vote no on this bill, it essentially is a vote for Obamacare because that's what we're going to be left with.
4: Either way, we're going to have Obamacare, right, Senator? Either way, we're going to have Obamacare. Because it's either going to be Obamacare through the Republican legislation or it's going to be Obamacare that's failing. Now what he's really, I think what he's really saying there is, is that a lot of these Republicans are going to lose their seats. These Northeastern Republicans are going to lose their seats if they take away the goodies paid for by somebody else to their constituents who like the idea of stuff being paid for by their neighbors. And that if if the Republican in this blue state or this purple state is seen as taking away stuff uh, that other people earned, that other people believe that they're entitled to, <laughs> then those Republicans will not be reelected. But I can guarantee you, Senator Cornyn, that if these Republicans vote for just basically taking a Democrat sticker off Obamacare and and plastering a Republican sticker on it, um, and it turns out to be just as much a failure as Obamacare as it is destined to be, then uh, you're going to lose anyway. Why not lose your seat doing the right thing for the country? If you're going to lose your seat anyway, my view is they're either going to tick off the liberal nutcases who believe that they deserve to have stuff paid for by somebody else, or they're going to tick off the conservatives who believe in government getting out of healthcare. It's a no-win situation, but you might as well err on doing the right thing. And I can tell you unequivocally that socialism always sucks socialism always sucks it's never good it's never meritorious it leads to the ruin of civilizations anybody had a conversation with a venezuelan lately now here's john cornyn listing the priorities of the republican party in repealing they say repealing which is really just rebranding obamacare
5: Well, we've said all along, Brian, that we need to stabilize the insurance markets because insurance companies are fleeing because they're losing money under Obamacare.
4: That's your, that's the Republicans' first priorities? The traitorous insurance companies? We got to make sure the traitorous insurance companies get paid. Got to make sure the traitorous insurance companies get money flowing into their coffers. Got to make sure of that. Got to make sure of that, because they're big-time donors to everybody up here on Capitol Hill.
5: We're going to make sure that uh, people with pre-existing conditions are protected. We're going to do everything we can to get premiums down. We're going to do everything we
4: can to get premiums down. So there's no guarantee your premiums are going down. The guarantee in the Republican legislation is that the insurance companies will get paid. How many of you, with the sound of my voice, are um, excited and just go, oh, phew, I am so glad. I was worried that the insert the traitorous insurance companies wouldn't get paid. Oh, so glad. Oh yeah, oh my, my, my rates, my deductibles and my premiums are still gonna go up. Oh well, that's okay. As long as the millionaires and the billionaires in the traitorous insurance companies who sold us out to Barack Obama, as long as they get my freaking money, oh that's all that really matters. Really?
1: The Chris Salcedo show will be right back.
0: The Blaze Radio Network. Chris Salcedo, Joe, on the Blaze Radio Network.
4: And if it, if it sounded like I was coming down on, on Cornyn, I wasn't. Uh, I think he was articulating the best of his his ability. Situation we find ourselves in. Which is, oh, we got to get something passed. Hold on, uh, Cruz is talking to CNN. Hold on a second.
0: Now we actually come together and honor
4: our promise to repeal Obamacare. Oh, that was... Uh, From earlier today, apparently. And Cruz is on board. Cruz says, as long as the amendment process doesn't change this thing, he's in. But there is no doubt in my mind that lobbyists for the insurance companies are every bit as involved in writing the Republican replacement as they were in writing Obamacare. And we all saw how well that worked out. You know, I... I don't want to say the insurance companies deserve no seat at the table because there are insurance companies out there who have not abandoned the, the free enterprise system. There are insurance companies out there who are true Americans who are not crony capitalists, not socialists, not communists. There are insurance companies out there that believe, hey, we can compete with the best, just remove the government barriers, and we can compete. We could provide the better mousetrap. We could do it. We're innovators, we're movers, we're shakers. We can do it. But there are some insurance companies, and I call them the traitorous insurance companies, and unfortunately, there's some of the bigger boys in the block, who are betrayers of capitalism, who are not pro-American free enterprise who are something altogether different. Uh, I'm going to be going to uh, break a little bit early. just want to get the uh, let the uh, staff know that I'm going to be going to break a little early. The staff, Ellie. I'm going to let Ellie know uh, because we are awaiting to make contact with John Legato. There was another big piece of information that happened yesterday, folks, that I don't want to give short shrift, and that was, of course, the... The hearing for the new FBI director Christopher Ray, and I wanted to get Legato's impression on Mister Ray. So we'll we'll get to him probably after the next break. Uh, just waiting to make contact, and we'll get her done. Um, Chris Wallace was speaking today in reaction to the president of the United States over in France. He was over in gay Paris, and he was asked about Donald Trump Jr.'s meeting with the Russians, and. Chris Wallace was commenting that, you know, Trump said, look, it's starting to come out that this woman shouldn't have been in the country and she got a special waiver. She was tied to John McCain and he didn't say this, but I'm saying it. She's tied to John McCain because she is tied to Fusion GPS who put out the fake Trump dossier and John McCain wanted to get his grubby little hands all over that dossier. And the Attorney, the Russian attorney Natalia uh, Veselnitskaya was taking pictures inside of the office of one John McCain. She was also the guest in Congress of President Obama's ambassador. So the questions are going out. Did Donald Trump, I'm sorry, did John McCain and Barack Obama team up to undermine Donald Trump. Chris Wallace was reacting to some of this.
7: And the question as it was posed originally uh, by the American reporter was that his FBI nominee, Christopher Wray, yesterday under questioning uh, before the Senate Judiciary Committee said that he would hope that any politician who got an offer of help, which is what the email uh, purported the meeting was gonna be about from the Russian government, would notify the FBI uh, while President Trump praised his nominee, uh, Christopher Ray, who had a very successful hearing. He ducked that part of the question, as you say, Julie, basically supported his son and said this was oppo research and it's what any politician would do, uh, ducking the question of the fact that it was oppo research or at least purportedly going supposed to be about opposition research coming from someone that, according to the email, had links to the Russian government. The other thing that he did that was quite interesting is he raised this question that is getting some courage. Now, what was this Russian lawyer, uh, Natalia Veselnitskaya, doing in the U.S.? Ah,
4: and The Hill is writing about that. Dinner? Uh, that, By the way, the, the person you just heard there was a pop-up ad, which was very annoying. I'm reading about pop-up ads. They cause a lot of friction. <clears throat> Anyhow, um, that was Dana Rohrbacher. The Russian lawyer who penetrated Donald Trump's inner circle was initially cleared into the uh, United States, by the justice department under extraordinary circumstances before she embarked on a lobbying campaign last year that ensnared the president's eldest son. The revelation means it was the Obama justice department that enabled the newest and most intriguing figure in the Russia Trump investigation to enter the country without a visa. If now, remember, this was all around the time when President Obama was getting briefed that Russia was infiltrating our elections. And uh, Ms. uh said she wanted to come in. They said, no, Veselnitskaya then was allowed special entry by Barack Obama's Justice Department with Barack Obama and his inner circle having full knowledge that the Russians were trying to influence our election. This is raising a lot of questions. The attachments to the Democrats, the attachments to McCain, the attachments to Barack Obama. People are asking some questions, and they're questions that the basket of bias press doesn't want asked. I'll be back in a minute. The Chris Salcedo Show will check in with John Legato about the new would-be FBI director coming up in the Salcedo Show right here on The Blaze.
3: Keep up with the Chris Salcedo Show on Facebook and on Twitter at ChrisSalcedoTX. Just another way to stay in touch with Chris on The Blaze Radio Network.
1: This is the Chris Salcedo Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network.
4: If I have time, I will remind you what Dagan McDowell said about this whole Obamacare repeal debate. Other news going on, we uh, had a soon-to-be FBI director uh, up on the Hill yesterday. And the reason why I say soon-to-be is because it looks like after he was raked over the coals by Republicans and Democrats about declaring his independence from Trump... Everybody, say, most everybody said that they were going to vote for him. Uh, coming in right now, John Legato. He is a former deep cover FBI special agent. He is United States Marine Corps retired, everybody. And he's the author of the book, The Near Enemy, a John Booker thriller. Legato has been an adjunct college professor teaching counterterrorism and international security at Campbell University at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. Mr. Legato, welcome back to the South Sato Show.
6: Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
4: Pleasure. Uh, tell me what you know about Christopher Wray.
6: I know that uh, he's uh, in a long line of U.S. attorneys and judges that uh, has been the FBI director. I think it's all we've ever had, other than Mr. Hoover, and we don't need another Justice Department attorney as the head of the FBI.
4: So when I when I tell you that it looks like he's going to be confirmed, uh, are you concerned about the the future of the bureau?
6: Yeah, I am, and and here's why. Uh, The FBI was always independent, always independent uh, from justice. And then slowly, about 20 years ago, it started to merge with justice. I'll give you an example. Uh, Before, uh, 20 years ago, we would investigate a case, open informants, decide on investigative techniques. At the end of that, we wrote up what's called a prosecutive report, and we walked over to the Justice Department, and we handed the report. They had three options. They could pursue an indictment, decline to do anything, or tell us to get more evidence. Right now in the FBI, we need permission from the Justice Department to open up certain cases, to open up informants, and for certain investigative techniques. So we have merged, basically if you think about it, the FBI has merged with a political entity, which is the Justice Department. Because when you look at the Justice Department, you know, you had Kennedy, who I loved as president, but he he appointed his brother as attorney general. Mm -hmm. You had Hillary Clinton demanding that Bill Clinton appoint a female attorney general. And then probably the classic example of being political is Loretta Lynch. And Eric Holder, my God! Oh, yeah. I forget. I that. know
4: Eric Holder. I mean, he he had an open and shut case of voter intimidation by the Black Panthers, and he dismissed it. And one of his attorneys was quoted as saying, "I didn't join the Justice Department to prosecute black people, which isn't justice, which is what, what they call social justice, selective, which the, is selective yeah.
6: prosecution." Yeah,
4: exactly. It, so that that that's my whole beef is that social justice is the absence of real justice. So you took me right where I wanted to go about the the politicizing of the FBI. Did it not take that politicization take leaps and bounds under the tenure of James Comey?
6: Well, yeah, that's my example of we don't need to know the justice department. He he's a life, you know, long US attorney in that system and what he didn't do is he didn't understand our culture. And another example is on July 5th he came out and declared that uh, he wasn't going to recommend charges against Hillary. We don't recommend charges. We never recommend charges. That's the Justice Department. We're fact finders. So what he did for the first time ever is he set a precedent, and then by setting that precedent, he had to do it two more times when they had the Wiener computer. And and then what he did, if you, if you really think of what happened, he, he was giving... Uh, sort of progress reports on the Hillary email investigation. And some reporter or some senator said, what about the Clinton Foundation? And he said we don't discuss active investigations after he had been discussing active investigations for like months.
4: (laughs) I know See, that's part of the duplicity on this. And by the way, this came up in the hearing yesterday with Christopher Ray uh, to which he said, I cannot conceive of a point where I'd ever hold a press conference about a case. Uh, John Legato is our guest right now, folks. He is retired from the United States Marine Corps. He is a former deep cover FBI agent, the book, the, near enemy a John Booker thriller so let's let's stay on Comey because there has been some news about him in recent days Uh, I had the Attorney General of the United States uh, Jeff Sessions on uh, earlier in the week asked him point-blank if it turns out that James Comey did in his private notes about his meetings with Donald Trump if he did Uh, have classified information should he get prosecuted and the attorney general said i don't want to talk about that i can't talk about that but let me ask you this because many uh, progressive liberal extremists are coming out and saying that well this information was up classified meaning it was classified after james comey had written it down on a piece of paper mr legato does that matter in prosecution terms
6: well, it doesn't matter, and what he said uh, before Congress is that it was a personal FBI memo. There's no such thing as a personal FBI memo. You can't use those two words in the same sentence, because when I was an agent, if I went out and did an interview, I could take notes on a piece of paper or toilet paper, and those notes would be evidence. They would be uh, the property of the U.S. government. But there's... a uh, a certain statute—I don't have it right in front of me—it's a Title 18 that James Comey violated just by leaking, and um, and the classification's not the issue anyway. He, he was meeting with the president in his official duties, and there's such a thing as executive privilege. So anything that he talked about with the president is considered classified. I mean, it's it's a common sense thing.
4: Well, now, does it, doesn't the president have to invoke executive privilege on that conversation?
6: No, there's an assumption of executive privilege when you're talking to the president, especially when you're, well, let's look what he what he did. He is memorializing his conversations with the president for what intent? Now, think about it. Follow the, follow the bouncing ball here. He's memorializing his conversations with the president based on his uh, belief that there's obstruction of justice. In that case, he's a, he's an investigator, right? He's mm-hmm. interviewing somebody and then writing evidence down. Even though that memo is worthless as evidence because it's hearsay, it's like written hearsay because we don't know that he remembered the conversation or that he was truthful. So it's worthless in and of itself. But if his in his mind, he's what? He's documenting a crime or belief. He's documenting a crime. So therefore, it's classified. It, it, oh. You know, it's an active investigation.
4: I hear you. John Legato, he is uh, retired from the United States Marine Corps, folks, and a former deep cover FBI special agent, sir. Thank you for your service in the Corps and also as an FBI agent. And here's the book, folks, The Near Enemy, a John Booker thriller. Mr. Legato, it's always a pleasure talking to you, sir.
6: Yeah, the, the book is about what we're talking about. The Near Enemy is uh, about all the obstruction and, and all the craziness in government and how the government obstructs FBI agents from doing their job, and it, it deals with terrorists. But uh, thanks for having me on. I
4: appreciate it. You betcha. No problem. All right, uh, folks, in the time we have left, I, I know I was supposed to touch on uh, the illegal immigration problem. We kind of went there with Sanctuary Cities with McCall, but I, I have a whole slew of sound bites and a story at which to... To leapfrog off this, and I think we'll get into this tomorrow, Uh, an illegal alien who had been deported from this country seven times got back in because of these progressive liberal policies and killed on America's streets after drinking 12 beers. Okay? And again, he was already a felon, and he was allowed back in to kill on the streets of america finally on the health care debate remember what dagan mcdowell said about the players
7: i look at at, at
3: particularly a lot of these centrist republicans on this issue and there aren't donkeys and elephants there aren't democrats and republicans they're all just a bunch of hogs
4: yeah they love that taxpayer money don't they to keep themselves in office remember everybody society's worth isn't measured by how much power is seized by its government but rather How much power is reserved for we the people? Grande, everybody. Back tomorrow. The Salcedo Show on a Friday.
1: You're listening to The Chris Salcedo Show.
0: Part of Generation Blaze. On the Blaze Radio Network.